2: Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski and I'm here with my co-host Haley Chura. And Haley, what's going on in the world of professional triathlon over in Bozeman, Montana these days? Alyssa, you know, my favorite
3: topic is the weather and we have had a couple days of spectacular weather like just this is the weather that reminds me why I live here it is blue skies like not a cloud in the sky 70 degrees um, Fahrenheit just really really nice weather um, I don't I, I took a peek at the forecast it is not lasting but you know what I, I think there's four snow forecasted for later this week but I have been making the most of this great weather I will say I um I I actually went and rode in Yellowstone National Park, which is always like a huge Ooh. treat. It takes a little bit of logistical planning because it's it's a big park. And then also, um, you know, a lot of a lot of people are visiting national parks these days. And so it can get quite crowded. And so it takes like a perfect day early in the season or late in the season to like avoid traffic. And then also a very early, I usually start very early in the morning, like sun up, your wheels down. Um to, you know, avoid cars. Um, but also when your sun up, wheels down, it, you know, you know who also likes dawn is wild animals, which can be great when they are like far off in the distance. You know, I love, I love seeing like a herd of elk off in the distance. Just, you know, just like seeing them a little closer to the road. Um, but luckily I did not have any too, too big any of uh animal run-ins. I I was behind a bison for a little while. What? And Yes, a single bison that was just walking on the road and I'm like coming up this, you know, I'm coming up and (laughs) on your um, lips, sir. (laughs) Yeah. No, I was like giving it, I'm I have a healthy appreciation for wild animals, including bison. And I was not getting close to it. And so I I was like kind of like inching, you know, I actually like I unclipped one foot and I was kind of like inching along behind it, like hoping it would go off the road and I could get by and it was like because it was in my lane and then it went to like the oncoming traffic lane and I was like no like there were cars behind me and I was like I won't I'm not going because I'm like that's only like you know that's what I don't know how big a car lane is but it's like less than 20 feet of separation that's way too close for me and so like this car goes around me to go by it and I like was kind of trying to like kind of be on the other side of the car and like so there was a car between me and the bison but oh, then the yeah. car starts like going fast and i was oh, like God. you're leaving me <laughs> and so um this other guy actually he was going to he was in a truck and he was like here do you want me to pace you and i was like yeah like if you'll go between me and the bison i'll go by And then the bison, like we're doing this. And then the bison like switches sides of the road and comes back into my lane. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop. And so I like pull over and, um, just like, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to chill out. I'm going to eat some food and just like, wait, because I just was like the risk reward here is so, so skewed toward (laughs) like, no, don't yeah. Toward the bison. And so I, um, I actually, I, I was very lucky. I had my dad driving SAG and he was a little ways up the road, was worried that I hadn't come by. So he actually circled back and I jumped into his car and he took me safely by the bison. But the bison actually like shook its head at the car went bye-bye. I'm like, this bison has it out for me. Um, And they are just massive animals. I mean, it was so, it was cool to see it up close. I didn't want to see it that close though. I love seeing the little babies like far off in the distance and like jumping around playing. That was fun. But um, yeah, I don't want too close of an encounter, but that was the closest, no bears, no wolves, you know, nothing else too scary besides humans.
2: So um, it was a great day. Well, Haley, wildlife must be out in full force as spring is springing in these parts of the world because here in New Hampshire, um, it also has warmed up quite a bit and like everything's budding, everything's getting green. The lawn is growing at like a rate that I can't possibly keep up with on the mowing, which is exciting and well, well, not exciting, but it's like exciting that spring is here and it's happening and it's getting warmer. And so the other day, Haley, I got home from my bike ride. I, I was running, I think I had a brick for five miles off the bike, just easy So my plan was, okay, Ramona has been cooped up for four hours. Let me put Ramona on like the running leash. I'll jog to the end of this like dirt road here. Come back. It's a mile. And then I was going to hop on the treadmill for the rest of my um, brick run. And as we headed out with Ramona, the farm dog for the farm that we live on, Bodhi. Bodhi saw us and Bodhi was like, I want to come play. And Bodhi's just like a goofball. And so I'm like, well, I know he like, I mean, he's just, he has free reign of the farm pretty much. So I'm like he just keeps following us. And I'm like, all right, like, I guess he'll, he'll just follow us back too. Right. So like no big deal. And he does like, he does, it's literally like this little like loop de loop at the end of like a half a mile away. And then we all loop back and Bodhi's keeping up, which was pretty impressive because Bodhi's like a very hefty black lab. Like he definitely (laughs) eats well on the farm. And so when we got back, his um, owner was like, Oh, there you are. I was like, sorry. Like, you know, we were running and Bodhi did a mile. Like, (laughs) so they were impressed with him. But anyway, Long story short, this does get around to wild animals eventually. Is that today the um, like dad of the farm family um, came over to me and was telling me, and he's like, "Oh, I heard Bodie went for a run." I'm like, "Yeah, he was really proud. He did great. Like, he needs to work on pacing, but we're, you know, we stopped to get got some water halfway through. I gave him the whole rundown. He's like, "Okay, well, actually, (laughs) he's like, we kind of need to start being more careful because there have been a couple big." black bear sightings on the farm recently, um, as recently as this morning. And so I guess, you know, like there's a few families that live up here and, um, people have been reporting seeing a quite large black bear, he said out and about. And he's like, Bodie is so he's like, Bodie's not smart. He's going to run after the bear if he sees it. So he's like, we got to keep Bodie close for a while. And I was like, Ooh, cause I had Ramon on a leash. Um, but I wasn't going to like leash someone else's dog. That's not mine necessarily. And I knew, I mean, he's a, he stays close. Um, but So that was a good warning because I was like, oh, I guess Ramona's off-leash privileges are revoked as well for the time being. And then the guy starts telling me about um, the wolf pack that can come by through the farm and stuff. And I was like, oh, Ramona's staying very close to my side. So apparently on the farm where I live now, we have bears, we have wolves, and I know we have a lot of moose in New Hampshire. I don't think we have moose on the farm, but I am looking forward to the day when I leave like for an early sunrise summer ride. And I catch a glimpse of a moose out there because, um, I feel like, I feel like it's going to happen. We were, Matt and I were actually looking up like moose per square mile populations the other day to try and figure out where we can go to f- have like the most probability of seeing a moose. So, um, so,
3: yeah, moose are an animal that I give a wide birth to, Too don't yeah. mess with a moose. <laughs> They're so scary. Um, I think, that is – I didn't realize there were wolves in New Hampshire.
2: I had no idea. I thought – so we have one woman who lives up here that tells a lot of stories. And so I thought the wolf story she was telling was – to be quite honest, I thought she was just like make, making it up. Um, but then when I heard it from from the guy, I was like, oh, this actually is a real thing. So we probably should <laughs> heed the warnings about that. Um, but, Keep yeah. You
3: ever feel like when you have a dog on a leash, you're like – it's like bait. Like, yeah. like you're like fishing. Like it's like – that. sometimes I'm like – Oh gosh. Yeah. Cowboy. Um, yeah, I know. I don't want to chase any chase him chasing after a bear. No, that would be terrible. No. But yeah, keep her safe. Keep her close. But I mean, a mile is good. I feel like that was I feel like that was all right. But um,
2: I'm glad you both got a good run in and no
3: bear sightings yet.
2: No bear sightings. I'll keep you guys posted. So um, in the meantime. I wanted to, oh, go ahead. Well, I
3: wanted to add that. Um, so I rode past my route in Yellowstone, I rode past Yellowstone Lake, which is like this massive lake and it's like totally frozen and it never like really gets warm enough for open water swimming. I don't think even with a wetsuit, but it is just spectacularly beautiful, but it got me thinking about open water swimming. So you're always like, Oh, you see these islands out there and you're like, Oh, could I swim to that Island? And, um, I have, like I said, we've had great weather here. So I've ridden closer to our, my local lake. Um, like three times in the past week. And each time the ice has receded a little bit. And so I do feel like open water swim season is coming. How is, how are things in New Hampshire? Is it warm enough there yet?
2: Haley, I think you've been reading my mind because, um, I actually was looking today for like the lake temperatures. There's like so many lakes around here. There's, they seem to be a dime a dozen. So I was trying to figure out which one is like the best swim situation and the temperatures. And I did find some data that led me to believe that the lakes here are reaching the upper fifties. So as far as I'm concerned, that's like just about swimmable if I really wanted to, but, you know, give it another week and then it's like actually swimmable. So that's perfect.
3: (laughs) Upper fifties is perfect. You could do non wetsuit in that. You'd be fine.
2: I I don't know about that. I would definitely need to break out my Orca wetsuit and quite possibly get some of those like booties and the head things and all of the other accessories that go for cold water swimming when it's that chilly, but it is doable. And I, I, it looks so beautiful right now. Like I'm, I'm tempted to, to give it a try, but I don't know, Haley. Well, if you need a head thing, I think they're
3: also known as neoprene caps. Um, <laughs> you know, you can go to orca.com. You can use the code ironwoman 15 for 15% off your order. Get your wetsuit, get your neoprene cap, your booties, your neoprene booties, your head thing. Um, they also carry those safety buoys, which I think the inflatable orange, bright orange safety buoys that you can strap to your waist and you know, I think you can even put your keys in them and a dry, there's a dry pocket, but, um, also great for safety if you're out there, but, um, great for anyone who lives in an area that has water that is to- warm enough to tolerate this time of year. I mean, it Not is. An ice cube. there's <laughs> something, yeah. I mean, but there is something peaceful about being out there, like in open water and like looking around and like seeing birds. And it's just a vantage point that you don't usually get. So hopefully folks
2: are, are kind of getting to enjoy that, you know, spring, summer, open water, swim time. And one quick housekeeping announcement: so we are recording on Monday as usual, and you're listening to this hopefully on Thursday, the day it comes out. Um, so our Level Up Summit with Live Feisty has, uh, you know, is is finishing up on Thursday night. So if you missed out on the Level Up Summit, but you kind of caught some glimpses on social media, you were like, "What's that all about?" Um, you can join in future fun activities like the Level Up Summit by joining the Feisty Triathlon Team head to feistytriathlon.com, and when you sign up, $23 a month, um, you get a really sweet swag package that has stuff from all the sponsors like Gooder, Noon, Elios, Inside Tracker, um, basically other sweet deals and things like that, and uh, it's going to be a good time, and then you can join us for the next summit, whatever the feisty triathlon team has in store, which is always something. So definitely head to feistytriathlon.com. Take a look at that.
3: Yeah, it's a fun community. And I think they even have like an educational resource catalog. So if you wanted to watch the feisty level up summit, um, as a replay, I think if you join the feisty team, you'd have access to that. So, um, plus all the future, all the future events, like Alyssa mentioned. So feistytriathlon.com, if you are interested. And
2: Haley, you got to have a really special phone call today, right? You tell us more. I did.
3: I did. I had a quick chat today with Taylor nib and she is the 23 year old American sensation. She just won last weekend's world triathlon series race in Yokohama, Japan. It was an Olympic distance race and her win there clenched her spot on the U S Olympic triathlon team. So if you remember last summer, we talked to summer Rappaport who at the time was the only American qualified for the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, now we can add Taylor nib to that, that list. And, and Taylor is a recent college grad. She ran for Cornell university and she also swam for their varsity swim team during her senior year. So she was training for triathlon while in running collegiately and swimming collegiately, which is quite impressive, but obviously it paid off. So Taylor told me about her win in, in Yokohama. She told me about some of the COVID precautions, uh, that were at that race in Japan. And she tells me about her plans leading into the Tokyo Olympics later this summer. We'll have that conversation with Taylor right after the break.
2: The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021.
3: Hi Taylor. Welcome to the iron women podcast. Thank you for having me. We want to say huge congratulations to you on your win at the world triathlon series race in Yokohama, Japan this past weekend, as well as your qualification for the U S Olympic team headed to Tokyo this summer. So the race in Yokohama was the final opportunity for U S triathletes to auto qualify for the upcoming Olympic games. Did you go into the race in Japan hoping to qualify?
1: I feel like everyone did. So I'd be arguing, I'd I'd be lying if I said no, but I had, I knew it was a long shot.
3: So were you surprised or did you, was your training setting you up so that you, you kind of knew you were going to have this big win? I mean, I saw you had aero bars. I think you had small aero bars on your bike. Was that the plan to have that breakaway?
1: I don't think you can plan that. I actually, I've had aero bars on my bikes since probably like 2013 or 2014 for draft legal. I had them as a junior. Um, so I just, I race with them always. So I didn't plan it, but it was a great
3: opportunity. Yeah. And a lot has been said about your age. You're only 23 years old. You're the youngest U S Olympic triathlete ever. And I believe a few years ago, you were the youngest woman to ever podium in a WTS event. But as you just kind of alluded, you've actually been racing and competing in triathlons for more than a decade. So do you hope that your presence at the top of the sport might inspire younger triathletes or younger athletes to give triathlon a try?
1: Well, I hope so. If
3: that's a byproduct, and also maybe in the U S to
1: follow the junior circuit, it's an awesome circuit.
3: And, and also, I guess it's, you had an interesting collegiate experience too, where you, you did compete in multiple sports while in college and triathlons. Um, do you, do you recommend that? Or do you think that maybe the NCAA triathlon route, like, I mean, I guess you don't, you can't necessarily compare, but, um, but are you excited to see NCAA triathlon coming out so people don't necessarily have to do what you did? Well, I loved my experience and
1: I'm extremely grateful for it. Um but if I think NCAA triathlon is also an excellent experience for everyone who wants to try something else.
3: Yeah, and while you are young, we hope that you are competing for a while so that would be really fun for you to to watch some of those younger NCAA triathletes enter the junior and professional elite ranks but going back to yokohama i saw a few photos and videos on social media of athletes running on treadmills that were separated by plastic partitions and i understand that the covid precautions were incredibly strict so can you tell us a little bit about that and did did that impact your race preparations at all
1: well first and foremost i think everyone who raced has to thank the japanese local organizing committee for making it possible, for allowing us into the country, for allowing the race to occur, and for even allowing training sessions to happen. It was a big stretch on their part. And we're just, I'm just grateful for everything that they did because they made it very smooth, very easy for the athletes. I didn't really have to think. You just had to show up for your bus time and you were carted to your training sessions. So it made it almost easier because there wasn't a choice, there weren't options during the race week like they normally are. And so it was just do it or don't. And you either get, you either train or you don't and you get the opportunity. Um, so I'm grateful for the opportunity. It was definitely different, but just to have the experience to race was so awesome that I would have done anything pretty much.
3: Was everything done indoors Were you, you know, everything was done very contained in a single location for all the athletes. Yeah. So on Wednesday and Thursday, our training was entirely
1: indoors. And then on Friday we got to go outside for the swim course preview and Saturday we got to go outside to race, which is fun. Um, but we were only there for five days, I think. So it was a very quick in and out and it didn't really feel like a lot of
3: time. And you don't seem to be an athlete that needs to race frequently. Do you plan uh, to race any more triathlons before Tokyo? I'm not sure right now. I'm hoping to do leads, but we'll see. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Taylor. We really appreciate your quick reaction. We're so excited for you and we'll be cheering for you in Tokyo. I hope you get to celebrate and, um, you know, get some sleep and, uh, hopefully that jet lag isn't, isn't keeping you up too much. Well, thank
1: you for having me and thank you for the quick and efficient interview.
2: Haley, I'm really glad you got this conversation in with Taylor and I'm really excited to be honest to see what happens and continues to happen with the US triathlon team for the Olympics shaping up because there is one more spot so Taylor joins Summer Rappaport um and then the last spot is a discretionary spot that USA Triathlon will determine and I don't know if they kind of wait for other future races to happen we have that WTS race in Leeds that Taylor might be at as well happening in early June um but you know I I don't think they have like a have announced kind of necessarily the timeline for when they announce but it's definitely something to keep your eye on keep your eye on those WTS races because they do have that last spot to fill and it's just really exciting it's making me feel like the Olympics are coming and I love this time so it's it's really cool. I agree. I'm getting starting to get
3: some like Olympic fever and I just want to see how how Taylor and Summer and whoever else is on that American women's team does in Tokyo cuz I think I mean what a strong squad we have and um, we have, you know, the Olympic distance triathlon, of course, and then also that mixed relay that will be happening for the first time in Tokyo. So fun times this summer. And, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully those COVID precautions, you know, they didn't in, in Yokohama show that it can be done, you know, it can be done safely having a race and um, so fun to watch. But Alyssa, I think we, you, you said we have a mailbag question, right?
2: We do Haley. So we're going to split this mailbag into two pieces. It came in from Andrea and Andrea. We know Andrea because Andrea wrote to us last year while we were doing pandemic challenges. And I had talked about my Jarman's challenge where I was running up the road Jarman's gap um, where I was living in Virginia. And I did it one day, then once one day, then two for two days and three on three days, and then four, four and five. Um, And Andrea did a lake loop challenge. And so she wrote to us again. She's back at her summer home in Saskatchewan. I love to say that. And she's going to try the lake loop challenge again. Um, But she has a different question for us this time. So her question now is about shoes. She wants to know if we own multiple pairs of shoes, do we swap them out daily? She's curious if I change my shoes during a really long run. She's been basically experimenting with shoes for the last year. And she has, it seems like, um, a few different pairs of brands. She has, like, a pair of Hoka's, a pair of New Balance, a pair of Nikes. Um, And things, when she did her Lake Loop Challenge last year, like, things started to get sore. um, But then she actually changed shoes, and that, like, helped. So she's curious, like, did she crack the code? What do we do? And, Haley, I do... Haley, I think we both actually like to talk about shoes. We've had some shoe discussions before. Um, this is a little bit different because it's about like variability of them and changing them, I guess. But um, Andrea, I have to say, I I don't think I ever run. I have a shoe problem. First of all, <laughs> I have a lot of pairs of shoes and but I don't think it's a problem because I do think it's helpful in keeping your body like you discovered where your hips and your knees feel better. Um, I think there is something to giving shoes like the rebound time. Right. So I, I like to have at least probably, I would say at least two, if not three, um, pairs of like actively used running shoes that I'm running in. I might have one pair that's like more of my stability shoe, a little bit heavier, but I wear it for like, if I'm I actually wear it, if I'm super tired and I feel like my form could suffer, then I like would wear those. Um, I have, like, a really light pair that's, like, super cushiony that I might do some workouts in. Um, then I might have, like, a medium pair that I can do, like, longer runs. It might be a little bit more durable to go, like, off-road on some gravel or dirt or something. Um, so I definitely have a lot of pairs of shoes, so much so that I I feel like I try not to wear them on back-to-back days even so that they do get that rebound time to come back because I do think there's something to that. I also think it's good for your body. Um, now, some people have, like... <laughs> certain injury issues and things where like one pair of shoe works and for that reason don't change it, right? But um, I think there is good like if you're able to wear different brands and different shoe types to having that variability built in so that your body kind of uses different muscles differently in the different shoes and how they're, they're built and that way you don't get like stuck only having to find like that six millimeter drop or something and that's all your body will handle and things like that. So um, that's definitely kind of my Reasoning with it. And yes, in the ultra long runs that I've done, I definitely change shoes. Um, I think for like if I'm racing an ultra, um, like a 50 mile or less distance, I don't change shoes um, unless like something crazy was on the course or something like that. But um, because for that, it's like you just got to push through, don't waste the time kind of thing. Um, But certainly when I've done my FKTs and things like that, I've had like multiple, multiple pairs of shoes that I'm kind of rotating through. Um, and I, you know, I switch back to them I just like rotate them through and give them rebound time as much as I can, um, in those. So you're definitely, you've, I I do feel like you've started to crack a code here with your discovery of, of the multiple pairs of shoes, but let's see if I'm an anomaly here. Haley, what do you think?
3: I was really interested to hear your, your answer, especially for like an FKT. And I think that would relate as much, you know, relate the most to Andrea's situation with her leg loops. Um, I have never done anything that long. And so I can't necessarily comment on, on that part. It does make sense just to, I mean, sometimes there's something even psychological about just putting on a cleaner pair of shoes, I think, and clean socks, um, that I think can be really helpful. And so I would say, I mean, in my basic training, I'm probably not quite as, as, as much variety as you, I have, for a lot of the times I have like a pair of outdoor shoes and I have a pair of indoor shoes, you know, for the treadmill. Cause I like to keep my treadmill shoes a little bit cleaner. Um, and I just also, there is something about usually if I'm on the treadmill, I'm running pretty fast. And I think there is something psychological about having like a lighter pair of shoes. Um, I don't necessarily wear my race shoes for that. Um, it is like, I usually wear a pretty standard trainer shoe, but it's lighter than the shoe that I would run on the trails on outside. So on the trails outside, I wear something that's, you know, covered in mud. It has a lot of traction, but that's just like, I'm having fun out there. If I'm running on the treadmill or even if I was doing like hard efforts on like a dirt road, which I sometimes do a flat dirt road, I will wear a lighter shoe that is, um, you know, just I, it's my fast shoe. I think that, and then I also, I have a pair of shoes. I get a same, usually it's the same model as whatever I wear on the treadmill that I wear for walking around because, um, I find that I do a, I walk a lot um, I walk cowboy I you know I have walked to the grocery store um, I do a lot of walking and I do like to have good footwear even for walking and so that's something that um, I usually keep a pair of shoes like that and those I try to keep clean too I don't know if I get like a little bit I have like my dirty shoes and my clean shoes but um, so it's not as much about rebound for me as I think it is about psychological and then of course I do have, like my race shoes, my Nike shoes that I really only use at races or maybe in like a shakeout jog right before. And that's also because it's a psychological thing. I think a little bit for me that I just know I have that
2: extra little boost, those special shoes for the race. I love it. Well, Andrea, hopefully we helped you out and, um, gave a little bit more information for that question. And you did have a great question in your PS that you sent us and we'll, it'll be a cliffhanger. We're going to answer that in an upcoming episode. So, um, stay tuned for that. And because we have to get moving because Haley, we have a really fun interview for everyone. This is someone who that I would probably call like an iron women, woman, OG,
3: well, this is a fun interview. So it's a technically a Tulsa preview show, um, because Ironman Tulsa is happening this weekend. It's the Ironman regional championship. It has a great field, super stacked field, um, racing. And so we wanted, we wanted an expert to help us preview the field. And then also an expert to tell us about this course because it's a brand new course. So we've talking Jess Jones, Lasley, and Jess raced as a professional triathlete. She's also just, she's a West point grad. She's a combat veteran. She, served in Iraq. She has three children, twins, and then a younger, um, a, a third child since then, since, since she was racing triathlon. And, um, she's a three time 70.3 champion. She also was a paratri guide in, at the Rio Olympics in 2016. So uh, her, her experience is vast like you said this is what makes her you know an OG from the Iron Women standpoint and and again like we said she is a Tulsa she lives in Tulsa and so she lives she trains she coaches a lot of athletes in Tulsa she knows this course so we asked Jess about the course in Tulsa kind of how she thinks the women's race might play out uh her predictions and also just about her personal experiences in sport because she has a lot of them so we'll have that conversation with
2: Jess right after the break the Iron Women Podcast is grateful to Zelio Skincare for their continued support of the podcast. I'm always excited when I start pulling out the Zelio Sun Barrier more and more because that's a sure sign races are around the corner. And I'm going to be happier than ever using my Zelio's Race Relief Cold
3: Therapy Muscle Gel because it means I actually got to do an in-person race this year. You can get your own Xelios Sun Barrier Race Relief Shower Products and Chamois Cream for 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN at TeamXelios.com. Hi, Jess. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi. Thanks for having me. So I think you were originally planning to race Ironman Tulsa this weekend, but a bike crash and a broken scapula took you out of the race. So how is your recovery going?
0: You know, it, it's one of those things, uh, with recovery, it's, it's probably going pretty well, but in, when you're in the midst of it, you're like, this is taking forever. Um, but I, I, I mean, it's hard to complain, but I, w- I still do, <laughs> but yeah, it's slowly but surely.
3: How about the mental recovery of preparing for an Ironman in your hometown and then not having it happen? It's that.
0: And then on top of it, because, you know, they announced this race of June of 2019. So everyone got uh, like totally amped for it in 2020. So then it's like all of 20, all I'm, you know, I'm not race. I don't race pro anymore. So it's not like I still even view myself as a triathlete. So it was like this one event. So I felt like I was preparing for it for, you know, two years And then to not do it, it's definitely a bummer. But on the other hand, I have 14 athletes racing. So I'm going to be still super invested in the race. So it's
2: probably better for them that I'm not in it. (laughs) 14 athletes. That's quite, you know, I imagine that's been a little bit at least of a positive distraction for you. Like getting them all ready to go and just kind of, you know, helping them through like the fine-tuned details of Ironman prep. Yeah, totally. And it's really
0: great here because I, you guys both coach. So you can understand this. I actually am around these athletes quite a bit. So it's not you know, it's, it's an investment even beyond like, athletically. So it's like friendships, like it's people that you see at the grocery store or out for coffee or out at dinner. Like that's kind of unusual, uh, you know, until Ironman Tulsa was announced. That was very unusual for me. And I'm probably, you guys can understand how that is.
2: Yes. And so we are really excited to have you on today as both an Ironman expert and a Tulsa expert. So, Um, you know, we've, we've already said this is going to be Tulsa's first time hosting the Ironman and it's the North American regional championship. So, you know, with your athletes, with other triathletes in Tulsa, what's the vibe right now? Like are people are, you know, things getting put up for the race, like are you know, I feel like some of those times you get to town and like, there's the flags on the light poles and like things like that, just kind of around, is any of that happening yet? Or, you know, is it still pretty quiet? It is.
0: I will say, I feel like this is so unusual because it's kind of like, people are like, are we allowed to be excited yet? Like, I think people are still redefining what social norms are. And so, you know, definitely you can see like, uh, on social media, people getting more excited. There's um, stuff going up. But I think also a lot of people don't really know what Iron Man is. So I think it's this kind of like this we're just in such strange times to begin with. So um, I I think that, you know, this year is going to be great. But I think next year, you know, one thing about Tulsa is we really rally behind these sorts of events. Tulsa Tough is hugely embraced by our city. And so I think it's like people still don't even know if they can go cheer so I, I think that we're just still regaining our footing and what's socially acceptable at this point and what's, you know, prudent and what's uh, responsible. So, yes, we are getting excited. The, the buzz is on. Uh, to what degree? I think that it'll probably just get bigger and bigger the closer we get to the event.
3: Cautious optimism. It seems to be the theme of of everything these days. But since this is a first year race, we'd kind of love to run through the course with you um, so that athletes who are listening and any spectators who are there kind of know what to expect. And so I looked at the course maps and the 2.4 mile swim is in Keystone Lake. It's about 20 minutes west of the city center. And the Ironman website lists the water temperature as low to mid 70s. And I believe the wetsuit cutoffs are 72 degrees Fahrenheit for pros, 76 degrees Fahrenheit for age groupers. So do you expect a wetsuit legal swim? Have you been in the lake?
0: I would be very surprised if the water temperature is over 70 degrees. I, it, we've had a lot cooler temps and a lot of rain. Um, in general, we had a really hard winter here. So, you know, one thing that was appealing to me when I was still professional was that it was going to be a non-wetsuit swim. I don't like wetsuit swims. And so I'm looking at it now and I'm like, you know, my athletes went and swam in it last week and it was high 60s. And okay. it's not supposed to be super warm this week, although race day is a bit of a warmer day.
3: What about the lake? Is it, oh, is it usually pretty calm in the morning?
0: So it can be calm in the morning. The thing is about Tulsa and Oklahoma in general is it is, it lives up to the being windy. Like when I first moved to Tulsa, I just imagined like the, the play Oklahoma and just, the big barrels of what? What is it? What are those tumbleweeds? <laughs> the tumbleweeds. <laughs> yes, the tumbleweeds, like you know, coming down the plain. Um, and it's not like that, but it is windy. And so they are predicting a really—they're uh, predicting a south wind. It's not the fiercest wind that we have in Tulsa, but it's a steady wind. And the way this swim is, it is—it uh, it, you go out. It's a point-to-point swim, so you're going um, essentially kind of north and then south, which um, can make for a choppier swim, kind of like Galveston. Have you swam in Galveston?
3: Yes, I have. Yes, you had some chop in that one. I get it.
0: So you know how you make that turn, and then you have that long stretch, and sometimes it can be smooth, but on certain wind conditions, it it creates uh, it's a little more choppy. I think that uh, we could run into that on Race Day. Hopefully, it's early enough, though, that that's not a problem.
2: And if any of the any pros are listening on Thursday when this comes out, I guess it sounds like it could be one of those days when you want to bring your speed suit and your wetsuit. Um, yeah. and even race morning, you might not really know until you get to transition and hear the announcement with the water temperature, right? Yeah, like,
0: absolutely. And I, for, for a longest time, wasn't the, uh, wetsuit cut off 69 degrees or 68. Do you remember that a couple well, years ago? I thought ago. it used to be
3: like 78. I feel like I did so many it, swims that were so it, warm.
0: <laughs> it was. And maybe ITU,
3: had... you raced ITU. That might've been. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And then I think also Rev three went with ITU cutoff. Yep. So that maybe that's what I'm thinking of. And so I was felt like we were never in a wetsuit. So yeah, I would definitely plan to bring both.
2: Okay, and Jess, the swim's a little way out of town and then so that one's point to point and then we also have a point to point bike course uh-huh. through what's known as the green country of northeastern Oklahoma. So, what are your thoughts on the 112 mile bike course and is it actually quite hilly? I've seen some of the numbers to suggest this. It is. This is uh,
0: you know, I I I would consider myself more a bike run combo. Um, so I love this course. It's a difficult course. There's wind, there's hills, It there's heat, and it looks like it's going to actually, you know, it's not that hot, but considering that no one's really been in heat much um, this year, uh, I think that, you know, they're calling for a high of 84. And also, Tulsa weather, Oklahoma weather can be a bit unpredictable. Like, it, it's going to change probably several times, but it does look like Right now in the forecast, it's going to be a bit of a warmer day. Um, But yes. And then on top of it, um, so unlike Lake Lake Placid or Mont-Tremblant, which has similar elevation gains, um, there's a lot of chip seal here. The roads aren't super glassy and smooth. Um, I feel like that just kind of robs your power all day. Um, So this is kind of a, you know, a gritty course. You got to be – I would consider – That you should be a gritty racer, and um, uh, yes, definitely hilly, windy, heat—it's got all of it here.
3: This is sounds like a championship course. And so, moving on to the twenty-six point two mile run, it's a two-loop course. It looks like it primarily runs on the River Parks Trail system. It's just east of the Arkansas River. So, what can athletes expect on the run in Tulsa? Except, I mean, eighty-four degrees for a marathon that starts at. You know, noon, one, two p.m. is going to be pretty warm.
0: Yes, uh, I. This is where I do like all of my training. The River Park Systems in um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, is wonderful. Like it, it's, it's. There's no traffic, vehicular traffic. They separate cyclists from runners. Although on race day, you know, they're gonna shut it all down f- uh, for just the runners. You go through the gathering place, which is this phenomenal um, public park. Um, that I think it was ranked number one in the world, something like that. They just opened about two years ago. Um, and so it, it, it's got like one, one-ish minor hill that you go up and over. So you're going to go up and over what would essentially be four times. But um, I would consider this a flat run. Um, there's also a bit of like um, path for part of it that you could potentially run on that's on the side. Um, like for, and like when I train, I, I run on that part when I'm on that section. So it kind of saves your legs a little bit, uh, kind of like a dirt path. Um, yeah, so it, it, there are trees, but however, um, I wouldn't expect for it to be shady the entire time. Cause a lot of that depends on where the sun is and what time of day you're running it at. So like, if you're closer to noon, there's not much shade, but later in the day there, there's going to be more shade.
2: And switching gears, we'd love to talk about the women's pro field that's racing there. So this is the first Ironman regional championship race of the year, and it features a $150,000 prize purse and two guaranteed Kona slots for the women. This is the biggest Ironman branded race we've seen since Kona 2019. And it has Daniela Reef, the four-time Ironman world champion and winner of the 70.3 in St. George a few weeks ago. She'll be there racing. So do you think anyone can challenge Daniela taking on Tulsa? I feel like, like if Daniela doesn't
0: win, it's going to be some sort of situation like Kona that's unusual. Um, you know, anything can happen. I get that. That's the spirit and beauty of Iron Man. But Daniela has proven herself on all types of course. I feel like this is going to be right up her alley because it's, it's a hard day. She's proven herself time and again um, on hard courses. Um, you know, it, it, and I, 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 it, it pains me to say that. I mean, it's not that I'm not a Daniela uh, fan, but it's just like sometimes you want to see like a real na- nail biter of a race. And I feel like Daniela just is kind of um, she's definitely on form. She seems very, very happy and secure in her life right now. And, uh, and you know, we're excited. Our, I'm excited to see her race. So, um, but I think Danielle has got it.
3: I got a glimpse of her as she ran rode by me in, uh, St. George. And it is, it's fun to watch her race, <laughs> but, um, we mentioned those two guaranteed Kona slots. I think there are two floating slots that will be assigned based on the number of male and female pro starters, but, that This race is a little unusual because due to the pandemic and the cancellation of Kona in 2020, there are nine women on the start list who have already qualified for Kona. So yeah. do you think this could change the race dynamics since theoretically a 10th or 11th place finish might qualify an athlete for the world championship? When you say change the dynamic, I'm,
0: I just to clarify, does that mean someone without with, that already has a spot might potentially go and race differently.
3: Or I'm just saying that, I mean, normally if you're in 10th and 11th, you aren't necessarily racing for a Kona slot, right. but you could be, you could be in 10th place at this race. And, you know, that could be some fierce competition that's happening, you know, further to secure back.
0: this zone. Yes. Right. Yes. Further
3: back. Like these uh, races further back are uh, important. Yeah, although so. I will say, you know, I've raced
0: races where I, I'm kind of closer to the apex and I've raced races where I'm a little bit further back. And I think the spirit of the competition, even if you're further back is still there, no matter what, I think people are anxious to get out there and race. I think people have a lot of pent up, um, you know, what, what's the word they're, they're just, I know I was excited to get out there and I didn't have nearly anything as much at stake. So I can imagine that, Yeah, I mean, I would be licking my chops right now, like, if I was on that start list, because right now I think there's only, like, 22 women, right, on the start list. Is that about right?
3: That sounds right.
0: And so, yeah, I mean, to to think that, hey, like, you know, uh, I typically, like, if you were a mid-pack finisher in the pro race, like, hey, maybe I could get my Kona spot. Yeah, I mean, I'd be be very excited. I think this is going to be a fun race to watch.
2: And it is an Ironman branded race, but some of the athletes might still be racing for that Kona spot that could be, you know, trickling down or for points in the PTO rankings, which could qualify them for the Collins cup race, which is scheduled for August or like year end bonuses available through the PTO. So PTO points are earned by time, not place. So do you think the incentive to race a fast time and not just finish in the specific place could change anything the way that the race plays out?
0: Um, certainly, but I will say this: I don't think Ironman Tulsa is going to be a particularly fast race. I don't think this is like Ironman Texas. Um, I think it's going to be more like Placid or Mont where it's you know it's it's. Uh, I would be Daniela's aside. I, I would be surprised to see sub sub nine here. So with that said, like if I were if that my objective were to gain points for Collins cup. I, I don't think I would choose Tulsa, but although what other races are there? So I guess everyone's in the same boat. So, you know, that that's real hard to say because without the knowledge of security of what races are going on, but I would say if like strategically, if I were going to try to accumulate the lowest amount of time, this would not be the race um, that I would choose.
3: It is interesting with the dynamic of the pandemic and how, you know, like you said, being unsure of what races are going to happen, how it does, it? it at least everyone is in that same position, right? No one has a crystal ball it, and knows yeah. exactly, I mean, I don't think anyone does, but um, we mentioned how this was the North American championship and the field does include some top Americans like Ironman American record holder, Heather Jackson recent Texas 70.3 champion sky monch and fan favorite, no stranger to the podium, Meredith Kessler. So we have some international stars in the race at that. We've already mentioned, but do you think we could see an American or two on the podium?
0: I do. Um, when I looked at the start list, those two women, uh, were two that came to mind when you talked about race predictions. Um, I think that sky looks to be really on form. Um, you know, she, she, I think she was becoming a pro kind of as I was getting out. So I was a bit un, unfamiliar with her until I kind of started paying a little more attention. And I have just been super impressed. She seems to have a really good head on her shoulders. Um, she seems very humble. I'm a, I'm a Sky fan. Um, I feel like we could totally go have coffee together and have a great time. Um, you can't count out Heather. Uh, Heather's the the gritty racer that's going to do well here. And, uh, and Heather, um, you know, she's Heather strategic too, about when she comes into form. So I feel like just kind of glancing over her social media, she's, she's, she looks like she's coming into this on point. Um, Meredith is just, she's a, she's a veteran. And so you just, you you know, you you never can count out Kessler. She's going to be, she's going to be mixing up the dynamic of the race for sure. So Yes.
2: Go USA. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like no better place for like an all USA podium than Oklahoma. So we can, we can yeah. see if we can come on ladies. Let's just, you know, pull some strings, make that happen. Um, yeah. but in addition to those names, there are also quite a few new names on the start list with some women like Marge Ronaldo, Rebecca Moreau. Maru. I'm you know, maybe we'll have to have her on so she can tell me exactly how to pronounce her last name. And yeah. Clarice Lorenzini making what I believe is their first. So they're their, their Iron Man pro debuts. Um, if you think back to your own experience, Jess, do you have mm-hmm. any advice for the rookies? My first Ironman,
0: which actually probably was one of my best, I was super conservative all day because I was so scared of the distance. And I think that really paid off. And I really think that would pay off on this course. Um, I think that this is kind of like it, I, I always say like, cause I have twins and when my twins were young, I used to always say it's like being pecked to death by a chicken. So I feel like that's how this course is. <laughs> like it just kind of just pecked Pe- pecks away at you all day. So I feel like if you are conservative and you just don't let yourself get disheartened um, and just get to the run as well as you can and and run your race, um, this will be a, a race of attrition. So um, to those women, I would say be conservative, um wait to take your shot. And when you take your shot, you know, aim well. Uh, that would be my
3: advice. Pecked to death by a chicken. Maybe we should title the episode that. No, I'm sure, but that is good advice. I mean, it is. I mean, it is hard to believe that everyone else is also being pecked to death by a similar chicken. So you have to remind yourself that when when you feel right, but, right. Um, but Jess, while we're asking you about your personal experiences, I'd love to hear your take on. The number of top women that we've seen in the pro field recently have children and return to racing. So in 2006, you were very early in your own pro career and you first found out you were pregnant with your twins. So as we see groups like the PTO implement a maternity leave policy and some sponsors begin to include pregnancy protection in athlete contracts, do you think the attitude toward women having children during their professional athletic careers is changing for the better?
0: You know it it absolutely is, and I think that for me um it would be really easy to almost be jealous because um I didn't have those opportunities, and in fact it would i i was met with a very uh different attitude um that's uh you know unfortunate, but what makes me proud is that one of the reasons that when I had my twins, you know, I thought I'm out of this, right? I, I Because I was led to believe that. And then I was like, you know what? We don't know. At the time, I thought we don't really know what endurance athletes who are, you know, getting into their third, or I mean, I was told I was too old. I was 28 years old. And uh, now we're getting into our 30s. We just didn't have enough knowledge as to what. Endurance athletes that are in their prime endurance age, but they're also in, you know, prime um, child rearing age, uh, what they can do. And so I, I feel a great sense of pride that, you know, I might not have been the most, um, or I'm not the most well known triathlete. I did a small part to show that it was possible. And I think that the more and more women that do that, and that have done that, it just creates more opportunity and dialogue to to show that, hey, look, we can still um, be successful after having children. Um, I just feel like there were so many unknowns or just, it it was almost even taboo.
3: It's so sad to hear that knowing it was only 2006, like that wasn't that long ago. And so, I mean, I appreciate women like you who who came before and have, you know, that the narrative has changed since then. And, um, hopefully, you know, the women who are having children now also appreciate you and your, your input and you showing that you, you know, even though you took the hard road, you did come back and have your best races after having your twins.
0: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the, the thing about, you know, there's obviously some, um, physical changes, definitely that, that happen after children. But I, I think like for, for me and, and where I was in my life mentally and emotionally, my children, um, really aided, uh, in my triathlon career, you know, it would have been nice to have some of the opportunities in financial, like a big stress for me was obviously financially. And I think, I feel like, had that been, uh, that burden been alleviated a little bit differently, then I think my career could have been possibly different i think also i i felt like there was almost a stigma involved with racing with kids like for the longest time i kind of struggled with if i'm a good triathlete then i must be neglecting my children you know there there were just kind of these subtleties or you know people just saying oh like being at races oh where are your kids you know like in this almost kind of it felt like a judgmental tone and so um yeah, I think that since that's all changing and, and, and kind of that attitude, um, towards mothers, you know, out, out racing. And I, I believe probably women in the workforce, they, they, this is a kind of something that we've been struggling with for a long time, but, you know, just seem to hit athletics a little bit late, a little bit later. So, um, I, I like that this is changing and I like not only, you know, the physical, but the support system behind women, um, racing with children
2: and just, we, you know, you and I have known each other for, you know, it feels like so long now, mostly through social media and then, you know, your friendship (laughs) with my coach Hillary Biscay and things like that. And, you know, I have to say, I want to say like, thank you because you did, for me, like as a coach, even give an example of how to train at a high level and incorporate kids into training and like make family work. And you shared a lot of that, you know, especially recently, some, you know, more in recent years since social media has like really been a bigger thing. Like you've shared a lot more of that. And it's been a good example just of how to, for me to encourage women I coach and, you know, even peers, like to follow your example and to make it work because you can incorporate family into a lot of that stuff.
0: Yeah. And thank you for saying that because I think sometimes like you're just quietly doing something. And so to have impact, that's, that's meaningful to me. Um, one thing, yeah. One thing for me um, was uh, in that this is what my dad and my parents did with me. And I come from a large family is really early on. Um, my dad recognized that if we were going to do things as a family, he didn't want one kid going to a football game, one kid going to a soccer game. One, So we ran, we all ran together and then we all swam together. And so that's that, that was my attitude and in co- incorporating my kids. It's like, you know, a lot of it I'll say came out of mom guilt because I'm out training, you know, all Saturday morning and I'm re- missing certain family time. And so then it's like, then, you know, then I started incorporating like, Hey, I'm going to go for my long run. Do you want to ride your bike with me? And what's really fun now is my kids are at an age, my twins, they kick my ass. So it's like, you know, it's come real full full circle, but you're also I love that for my kids. they've come they've grown up that this is just normal. And so especially for my daughter, you know, I think that sometimes and uh, you know, it's kind of like going to the academy. It seems so big and scary, but if you see someone else do it, it t- kind of takes that fear away. It just becomes normal. And, and that's what's happened with my kid, especially my daughter. And so um, I hope that um, that can be kind of emulated in, in other women's families or other families. If it works for them, it works for, for ours. We just enjoyed the time together. And I think, too, what's special about that is, um, especially with having twins, because they fought for time their entire lives with me. So, you know, I'll go with one and then I'll go with the other. And, you know, it's amazing what you could get your kids to open up to talking wise, dialogue wise, when you're out running or on a bike ride. Um, so,
2: so you pro moms keep that in mind. (laughs) And just, I did have one other question for you too. You opened with that, your answer for that question, talking about how it, it probably would be easy for you to be jealous of, of other women, right. With, the contracts they're getting now and kind of, you know, their experiences being pregnant as professional athletes and things like that. I think that's like such an important kind of recognition of yourself. And, you know, is it something you think where, like, did you have to, I think, I guess what I'm getting at is I think that's something that a lot of us can learn. Like it's almost okay to recognize like jealousy as a thing and then kind of move past it. Right. So is that something you, had to actually work through with yourself kind of as you're being a fan of the sport now and looking at how it's unfolding and things like that. Or is that kind of your personality where you're like, I'm not even going to waste time on this jealousy thing. Let me just go well, enjoy the time. I
0: I feel like probably for me, it comes from, a, I'm content with my life. I'm content with my career. Um, and that's just a, that's not, it's not like trying. I'm not trying one way or another to overlook or, or, or you know, there there are some times where where when I see like the maternity leave and I think, wow, you know, <laughs> I had a different experience, but the thing is, I had a good experience in the end, and I wouldn't change it. And so, it it, it, it at the end of the day, I I think it's a recognition of, you know, as trite as it might sound everything happens for a reason and you know that wasn't my path but that's not to say that my path wasn't fulfilling and and meaningful to me I'm you know I didn't uh you know I I won some 70.3s I podium at some Ironmans I'm content with that could I have done better with more support quite possibly but I'm I'm okay with that like at the end of the day I you know I I like my life. I like my family. I like my husband, you know, I'm, I'm good. I like where I am. You know, Alyssa, you went to Annapolis, so you can probably understand this. Um, You would probably, I don't know how often you face this, but so often as a cadet, I would come across, you know, other cadet women um, who would just kind of be nasty and, and you wouldn't at the time, I, I didn't understand why. And, and, and you know, it, it, I think it did stem from jealousy towards younger cadets for whatever reason. And, and the thing is, I can remember thinking, I will never be like that. And I don't know if you ever had that experience. But um, I think recognizing it is so important. It is recognizing where is this kind of pit in my stomach coming from?
2: Oh, oh, it's because I wasn't given that opportunity. And okay, you know what? I'm okay. No, you're, yeah, I think you're exactly right. And that's a, a really good analogy for our listeners. So just went to West Point. I went to the Naval Academy. I only went for two years, just had a, a, a real career out of it. So um, you did the hard stuff. You did. Don't, don't <laughs> discredit
0: yourself. You, you, just still did, you still did the hard stuff.
2: But that is one thing I've, you know, when I think back to the Naval Academy and things like that, that is one thing I certainly have reflected on. And I hope has also kind of progressed through, you know, the last, uh, you know, I was there in 2006, I guess, 2005. So, you know, hopefully it's changed in the last 15, 16 years and stuff. But, um, I think that's, it's a good thing. I think to talk about too, that it's there and it's present and we all get those feelings and it's easy to feel that, but to, you can also choose then to channel it a different way. Right.
0: Right. Well, be, be a part of the solution. And I think that that, you know, maybe I'm just telling myself lies at night to sleep better at night, but I'm just like, you know what, Jessica, you had a piece in this, you know what you did things. And you set an example so they can have that. And, you know, I, I and, and, and this was in a time that social media wasn't really big. So, you know, it was small. And and so, you know, it was the example of even showing up with my kids. And so, um, you know, and, and like I said, I might be fooling myself, but I, I can take heart in that. Someone somewhere saw something. And and with that, it grows. So you plant the seed, right? You plant the seed, and it grows into a big oak.
3: <laughs> and Jess, I I wanted Alyssa mentioned your Instagram, and we will definitely link to that in our show notes. And um and also your blog is still out there if people want to read it because you have some really great stories about your time at West Point, and there was one in particular, and and also your time as, uh as a combat veteran in Baghdad. Mm-hmm. And I mean, these are incredible stories. So I'd encourage our, our listeners to, uh, to go read them. But there was one that really stuck out to me when I was going through them. You talk about, um, it was from a couple of years ago, but you did talk about a summer you spent in airborne school and you were referring to how a sergeant, kind of pre- a sergeant was preparing you to learn how to parachute. And mm-hmm. you were asking yourself, just, is the universe picking on me or preparing me? and right. how that experience helped you during your triathlon career later on when you're dealing with injuries and so as we look back on the past year when many of us have probably thought that the universe is really picking on us um right. do you think that like we can use that mindset i mean di- like have you developed a way to kind of use that mindset to tackle current challenges and help us get through you know, sport or life or injuries, anything that we have coming up or in the next couple, hopefully not, not hopefully the universe stops, but you, you know, you know, things are hard these days. Well, Absolutely.
0: And I think the word that you're describing in a nutshell is resilience. Um, and, and I think that, um, I had an unusual path to becoming a pro triathlete and being a pro triathlete. And, I, I I have to say that um, probably my greatest attribute is resilience. And the great thing about resiliency is anyone can learn it, right? And so it is, it is a concentration of having a positive attitude, but not just like, you know, the BS positive attitude like, oh, you know, this, uh, you know, I'm going to pretend that this is all great, but just having a deep sense of faith that it's going to work out and that everything is preparing you for for, you know, possibly a terrible situation, um, which, you know, for me, that's like going into combat. So, you know, so you have to have that, that mentality, um, uh, of, uh, you know, mind over matter. And, and that, that comes from some, from resiliency. So yes, I mean, that particular Sergeant at the time, I hated him, but then at the end of the day, I realized he had my best interest, 100% at heart. And so I think that that's my, my attitude is that you have to have, believe the universe has your back.
2: I love that. And I definitely, I echo Haley's sentiment that people should go and, and read those those blogs, because there are a lot of good gems in there. But just before we let you go, we do want to get back to Tulsa with a couple more questions. So if any of our listeners will be in Tulsa to support or spectate, do you have any suggestions on navigating the area to watch the race or anything to do or see while they're in Oklahoma? Yeah.
0: So the run is going to go through the gathering place. So if you have kids hit up the gathering place, um, Riverside itself is going to be shut down I believe they said 11th to I don't remember the exact street so I think it's like 11th to like 78. but the gathering place actually is a bit offset from that so they could potentially hit up the park and then walk over to spectate or I I'm personally going to take a like a cruiser bike to go up and down riverside um the bike course is going to be a little bit trickier but if you do know back roads um you could take a look at a map and probably navigate around that um I have a couple places in mind that I'm going to try to get to, but even that I'm trying to be flexible with because, you know, sometimes they do end up having road closures, but being a point to point, um, bike, that's going to create logistically for spectators a little more difficulty, but I think the run potentially you're going to be able to see athletes many times because it's out and back on one path, essentially a big path twice so you're going to see them at least four times and then if you have a bike you could you know ride up and down and get them even more um tons and tons of great places to eat they're finishing at guthrie green lots of restaurants it's a cool place down there they typically have live music going on um tulsa's a neat town it's kind of like austin before austin got huge so um i think that it, it very much has the vibe there
3: And in these preview shows, we like to put our guests on the spot and ask for their podium predictions as well as a dark mare or dark horse athlete who might be going under the radar but you think could surprise people. So can you tell us your picks for the top three in the women's field as as well as that dark mare?
0: I think that I have a pretty good track record here doing this. Um, uh, So I'm going to say – I'm going to go Daniela, Sky – and Matthews. I think she's a dark horse.
3: Oh, you, wait, you think Cat Matthews. You think Cat yeah. Matthews dark horse and podium. Yes. Whoa. I think she's going to be Yes,
0: I'm putting it out there. She's already here, she's out on the course, and she's an army girl. Even if it's British army, I have to be like that's still pretty cool since, you know, we are allies with Great Britain. Um, would I prefer she was United States Army? Absolutely. But you know what? We're I'm gonna work with what we got. So cat, Sky, Daniela. That's my that's my podium and dark mare. Owen oh, Morrison's pretty tough too. So but I don't yeah. now nah, I'm sticking with it. I'm I'm sticking
2: with it. <laughs> Haley, are we giving our picks now or do you sure. do, are you ready? Yeah, I okay. Wanna
0: hear, I want to
3: hear what you Okay. Have to say. I'm gonna pick uh, I'm gonna pick Daniela for the win. I'm going with Heather Jackson for second because when we talked to her a few weeks ago, she she seemed pretty dialed in for this race. And, and then when you say it's similar to Lake Placid, she always races really well there. Um, she does. And I'm going to go That's with Sky Monge for third. And, uh, you know, so we get two Americans. And my dark my dark mare, I actually think I might go with Sarah Bishop as a dark mare. She's, uh, I just feel like, I mean, she's done like every single race out there. I feel like she's going to sneak into like, you know, that final Kona spot and, um, our first Kona spot, I don't know how many we'll have, but, um, and surprise some
2: people. You guys, this isn't fair. Haley, I should have gone before you. I'm showing you my notebook. That is literally exactly what I picked. <laughs> no way. Is not. Fair. But you know what? I'll go out on a limb and I'll say, I'll, I'll take Daniela off and say, Daniela, you know, I like to watch Daniela race and I'm a Daniela fan, but, um, I'm, I'll say let's, let's have some other people on my podium just for the sake of having some exciting picks. So I'm going to go with Heather Jackson for the win, then sky for second Meredith Kessler for third, but I am keeping Sarah Bishop as my dark mare because I, I agree Haley. I think that trajectory she's on, um, you know, she's been like banging on that rock and it's gonna, it's gonna, a chunk's going to come off. And I think this could be the race that does it. So especially if it's a gritty course, because she's a gritty racer. So, um, no puns intended with chip seal, guys. So have fun <laughs> when you got a chip seal.
0: <laughs> or the gravel that's still in my arm, courtesy of the course.
2: <laughs> oh <laughs> um, ow. but I did hear Jess, you did like contact Iron Man and stuff, right? Are we we feel pretty good that that will be Yeah, uh, no, yeah. and they've been yeah. great.
0: Like I've been in contact with them since
2: since the beginning. Um and you know,
0: there were parts of the course that we kind of they they pretty much already had a course fly out, and then they just kind of asked for my thoughts which was was very nice and made me feel very special thank you Iron Man but then after this I did contact them um and they were they already had a place uh they already had like a um a plan in place to kind of patch some things up they were tracking it and actually where I went down um has been patched um so and I will say this like everyone in the community cuz we're going through several counties They're, they're working very hard to get these roads better. And if, you know, this is, this is kind of a a labor of love. And so like, I think every year these roads are going to improve. So yes. um, So I I wouldn't be, don't, don't look at me and be scared. Um, Look at me and be like, wow, thanks for taking one for the team Uh, (laughs) that they patched that part. So Oh. So thank you, Iron Man.
3: <laughs> I, Iron Man should have you commentating or like on course commentating. That's what we, that's what we need. They didn't reach out to I you for know. that.
0: Yeah, come on, guys. What's I'll, the deal.
3: I'll send it. But they have screen. good people.
0: They already have good people, so
3: <gasps> hometown, hometown favorite. Um, but and you're out of commission. But maybe, maybe there's still a few days. But Jess, thank you so much for for giving us so much insight into the course in Tulsa, for kind of uh, doing some predictions with us, for telling us about your own career and your own experiences. This has been a really fun conversation, and we wish Yay. you the best in your recovery. And hopefully, we'll see you back out there. Maybe 2022 is the year for all of us, right?
0: Fingers crossed.
2: Kaylee, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary
3: care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your
2: results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. Alyssa, I think it's pretty
3: wild that you and I both had the same podium picks and dark mare picks. That's never happened in the history of us making predictions on this show for more than three years. So we are on the same wavelength these days.
2: I know. And I was like on a super Haley wavelength because I actually remembered to make my picks ahead of time, pull up the start list and do some research before I made the picks. So maybe that was part of why I actually made some better picks than I normally would, because I wasn't <laughs> totally just winging it. You weren't <laughs> saying like Paula Newby Frazier or <laughs> Julie Moss
3: um, are the greats from the eighties and nineties. I love it when people pick those um, people and they're like, ah, uh, retired for a while, but still fantastic women. So at least they know some names. Some names are better than others, but are better. Other than none, that's not what I meant. But um, uh, anyway, it's going to be so fun to watch how that race plays out this weekend. Um, I will be tuning in for sure.
2: Yes, and I think we determined that it will be on Ironman's Facebook Watch, um, Facebook Live, Facebook Watch type of thing. Do the thing. Do the thing you just did for Saint George when we all watched Haley crush it. Um, and they'll have Tulsa on there, and we can watch it all go down. We can see whose podium picks and Dark Mare comes comes out and, and does it for us and that is going to be happening at 6:35 a.m central time on Sunday the 23rd so looking forward to that another a full weekend of racing Haley things are good and I hope you have a bison free week ahead of you
3: Oh, I hope you have a bear free week, a wolf free week, you know, a Ramona full week. And um big thanks to Jess Jones Lasley for for sharing so much insight into the race. I mean, I hope I think I'm gonna like have a new appreciation for those women when they're riding on that chip seal road. Like you like she mentioned. I'm like, okay, you know your chamber, ladies. <laughs> Zelios betwixt. <laughs> Get your discount, iron women. No. Um I have a great week, Alyssa, and I will talk to you next week. Bye, Haley.
2: You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford.
3: Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.